The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. We are here. It is week 11 already somehow. Your Detroit Lions are 7-2 and two, headed towards Bears week. Yes, we are entering the thick of the Lions NFC North schedule finally after just having won the first nine games time to get into the black and blue division. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. As always, to help preview this podcast, to help be my my co-captain, not even co-host, co-captain, is the senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is at Ryan underscore POD. It is Ryan Matthews. Wow. Thank you, Jeremy. What a lovely introduction. Let's just get right into it. I can't wait to talk about NFC North stuff. Let's yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. And to help do that, it is the Chicago Bears. So we got to get a Chicago Bears writer. That's how this whole thing works. So we've got the assistant editor over at Windy City Gridiron. You can find him at Gridironborn on Twitter. Jeff Burkus is here. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And congratulations, Ryan, on your promotion to co-captain. That sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I get to steer the ship. Yeah, it's, you're like the little ship uh, wheel down at the bottom, like Dwight right. in the office, though. Yeah, oh. it's, it's it's the one on the grocery cart that doesn't actually do anything. Mm, I thought I'd get to drive the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it, fellas. Uh, this should be, I think, I think it's going to be a bit of an entertaining game. I think some people might think otherwise, but that's why we have Jeff here to, to let us know his kind of point of view of the game. And as always, we like to start with the opponent's offense first. And so, well, Jeff, Justin Fields is coming back. Yeah, it's exciting uh, stuff, right? Justin Fields is back. Uh, we hope that his grip strength's there, but it can't be worse than what we saw in, <laughs> in the last few weeks at quarterback for the Chicago Bears. So excited to get him back. Hopefully he's allowed to make some dynamic plays. He's going to be playing behind the offensive line at its healthiest state in mm-hmm. probably the last two years. And so that's exciting. This is actually, I think, the first time that they have gotten pretty darn close to their original plan. They're going to be starting Lucas Patrick at center instead of Cody Whitehair, which was the plan coming into the year. But otherwise, the other four positions are with their starting line. Their wide receivers are, are healthy and the running backs um, are back and healthy for the most part as well, too. So this is the healthiest that this offense has been. Uh, and hopefully they'll be able to protect Justin Fields and hopefully he can play back to what he was doing in four, week four and five before you know, you know he got hurt and wasn't playing very well after that. So safe safe to say you were not a Tyson Bajan fan. 
Well, I, you know, I, I think that there's a little bit of too much love for Tyson <laughs> Bagent uh, from some corners of the Bears universe. I think anything different is exciting for people. And it's a fun story. Uh, but I think he got a little carried away. And I, and I the, the point that I try to make on our podcast is he's trying to be a backup quarterback. He's not the next he's not the future he's not the new franchise quarterback for the chicago bears so please judge him as a backup quarterback trying to play in a tough spot and be the bridge until the starter gets back healthy not this is the new franchise guy right and if you do that in that lens it looks a little better yeah um, but if you're jeremy fowler man tyson is going to be a quarterback in the nfl for a really long time um but uh jeff let, let's talk a little bit more about fields because i think that there was some um, some no good, bad, and ugly Justin Fields, uh, like in weeks two and three. And then there was some really good Justin Fields, and that just so happened right before he was injured in weeks four and five. Like, was there evidence to suggest that Fields in the passing offense was like turning a corner before the injury, or were weeks four and five just kind of a product of the Bears playing some pretty bad defenses? Yeah, I mean, I think it can be both, right? I think yeah. it's always nice when you're playing teams that aren't very good. Bears came out in the beginning of the year and basically decided to scrap everything that worked in 2022. And they said, we don't want to do any of that. You know, we're, we're just going to throw that on the uh, the scrap heap and we're going to rebuild the offense out of the things that Justin Fields doesn't do well. We're going to we're going to try to make him play quick game and we're going to. It was unbelievable. And uh, I was listening to uh, Diana Rossini, who was on a podcast a few weeks ago talking to Todd Bowles after the the Bucks played the Bears in week two. And she's like, were you surprised that the Bears came out and the kind of offense that they did? And he's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, <laughs> I thought week one, okay, it's just week one. Those things happen. But, you know, I, we, we scouted what they did and were successful at last year. That's what we prepared for. And then when they came out and did what they did, we were just like, oh, okay, this is easy to stop. So... <laughs> The Bears are their own worst enemy, right? And so they, they got into a little bit more of that. There's a little addition by subtraction with the Chase Claypool thing. Once he was off the field, you saw more receivers actually running the routes that they were supposed to do and, and not getting penalties and, and that kind of thing. So, so there's a little bit of like getting the right personnel on the field as it started in weeks four and five. Um, but yeah, it does help when when those defenses aren't playing very well and, and you get some cupcakes. So, so when you say maybe, you know, they, they start to go back to things that the Justin Fields does well, does that mean incorporating him more back into the run game? Does that mean more deep shots? A little bit of both? I, one would hope, right? I mean, yeah. that those are his skill sets. That's what he's good at is stretching the field, both with his legs and, and with his arm. I, I think you saw the, you know, the the Raiders played a lot of man coverage against the Bears uh, and Tyson Bajent. And so he took advantage. Tyson Bajent took advantage of that. You wouldn't see a lot of teams play a lot of man coverage against Justin Fields anymore because he'll see that and he'll just take off. Right. I mean, and he's right. got 25 yards before you blink. And so you're not going to see that you're going to see more zone coverage. Um, but yeah, I, Justin Fields does have the arm to stretch the field. He was great in the intermediate game last year. He hadn't really shown that yet this year, um, but I'd like to see some of those intermediate passes come back as well. It, Jeff, is there any kind of sense in in Bears universe that it might be a mistake to bring Fields back so quickly when admittedly like his grip strength might not be at 100 percent like or is it just we need to figure out if this guy is the guy moving forward for our franchise? Oh, I think 
100% everybody's ready for Justin Fields to come back. There, there are going to be people that are still really excited about Tyson Bajan for whatever reason and want to see more of what we saw on Thursday sure. night against the Panthers, which I, I don't know. I, for To some people, that's really good football. And I feel like those people only watch football from like the 1940s and and, and that's that's where they're based out of. But you know, for, for, I think most of us, you want to get fields back because I think you want as many games as you can possibly get on film to make a proper evaluation. And this is, again, this is the healthiest his surrounding cast has been. And you've, you've, again, you've rooted out Chase Claypool. You don't have to worry about whatever drama that was. And so, you know, you're going to have the fairest evaluation that you can possibly have. There's plenty of fans that have already moved on plenty of fans that have already said, we're moving on from fields regardless of what the 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 picks from Carolina and the the Bears own picks going to be next year. And so I I'm curious to see what these last 7 games can do for one because I like Justin Fields. I want him to be successful in the league. I would love it if it's a navy and orange, but if it's not, I hope it's somewhere else. And so I hope that he gets these last 7 games to prove what he can be for a franchise down the line. What what do you think he can prove in these final seven games that that can win you over or if you already are are one over you know the rest of the bears fan base is there something i think that that you think he can realistically do or that he realistically i guess needs to improve upon to to kind of put that on tape before the scene's over i think the reality for the bears is he may be fighting against really bad circumstances that have little to nothing to do with him Mm -hmm. so he may be fighting against the fact that the carolina panthers may hand the bears a top two pick in a draft that has two potentially really great quarterback prospects and it just has an overwhelming argument to take one of those guys and and reset the quarterback clock and move on you know he he was drafted in the last year of a regime the gm and the head coach was fired after his rookie season the the gm comes in and basically says we're gonna i mean he tells everybody tells the world we're gonna tank and so he you know flushes the roster tries to get get the cap healthier and so he's playing with a lot of guys that aren't in the league anymore, right? Like, I mean, he's yeah. he, he had a very tough year. He took that on his shoulders. There was a lot of games that the only reason why the Bears were competitive was because of Justin Fields, right? And then you lose a lot of games. Okay, fine. You get that number one pick. And then all of a sudden, we're going to invest in you. We're going we're gonna to pass on Stroud and Young and, and these other guys because we believe in you. And then you come out in that terrible start against Green Bay um, because – I think because of the offensive coordinator making some very curious decisions about what he thinks offense should look like and not building it around the skill set of your quarterback. So I don't know how much it has to do with Justin Fields and his ability, um, but there, I think that what he can prove in the last seven games is that that his play style can be sustainable. Like there, there were times last year when he was running really well, like he was racking up hundred and plus yard games and he was getting work done on his legs in the middle of the game on the sidelines because he was like cramping up or like he was having issues. So you don't want to see your quarterback having to get, you know, in-game massages to be able to finish the game, right? So that should tell you like, well, maybe that play style is not sustainable, right? So I, I think that you'd like to see it all click. You have him be a weapon in the run game and be able to be be successful overall in the passing game. And I think there's going to be at least a couple teams are going to say, yeah, we want to go out and get that. And we think we can be the staff to unlock Justin Fields into the future. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the rest of the offense, uh, Jeff. And and most importantly, I think the the rushing game, right? I mean, it seems to be working really well, despite, you know, the team moving on from David Montgomery in the, in the off season, 
they've been missing Khalil Herbert for half the season, but they're still 10th in rush offense DVOA. I mean, well, like who and, and what's been the key to the Bears being able to establish this rushing attack? Yeah, I think that, you know, then they've really shuffled their offensive line quite a bit. Let me mention that, too. They've had this will be their eighth starting uh, starting line combination coming up. I know the Lions have have done the same. They've, they've had a lot of shuffling as well. Uh, that's not necessarily a normal thing throughout the league, but they have, I think, put together a, an offensive line that can run block pretty well. They did it last year too. They had an incredible, I think they were a top of the league uh, in, in run, running DVOA last year. So this isn't necessarily a surprise, um, but I think you see Tevin Jenkins. So I'm wearing a Tevin Jenkins t-shirt that I helped design, uh, <laughs> which is very exciting. Uh, but I think Tevin Jenkins has really shown that he can be like a star level guard in the league, like when, when he's healthy. Um, and so once he came back in week five, that's really helped. Nate Davis had a little trouble getting on the field uh, with some personal matters. And then he had a high ankle sprain. But when he's played, he's a good football player. Right. Uh, they added Darnell Wright, uh, right tackle with the 10th overall pick in the draft. Uh, he's come out, he's got a little shoulder injury, which I'm a little worried about the Lions taking advantage of in the pass rush, but, but he's a good football player. He's come in he's played really well as, um, as well. And so you've got enough pieces on this offensive line that know what they're doing, but the bears have a really good running back stable that like Khalil Herbert is one of the most explosive rushers that no one talks about. Unless you play fantasy football, I don't know if you know how good Khalil Herbert is, but I think as a pure running back, like running the ball, not necessarily catching the ball in the backfield, I think you you should be talking about him after you talk about names like Nick Chubb because just with the ball in his hands, he's that good. Uh, Deontay Foreman was on the scrap heap in free agency. He carried the Carolina Panthers for the second half of last year. And the bears are like, sure, we'll take you. And Oh yeah. We're well aware. We're well aware, Jeff. <laughs> and then he does great. Right. Like, so, so that's very fascinating. It's a relatively cheap free agency signing. And then the bears, uh, the bears drafted Roshan Johnson, who again, he's also had some injury issues, but when he's been in there, he's been running hard. He's kind of, in my opinion, he's the David Montgomery replacement. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that they even knew that they were going to be able to get him where they did in the draft. Uh, but he's more of an all around back and like an instant, team leader. So to, to me that coming into the year, the strength of this team was the running back room and they had some good run blockers in front of them. And so that's a pretty good base to build off of. It, it, it'll be an interesting matchup here, Ryan, because the Lions obviously have one of the better run defenses in the league. But, you know, when you when you throw in a mobile quarterback into the situation, you know, the one time that the Lions re have really struggled this year is against a mobile quarterback in in. Lamar Jackson and they they were able to get all of the running game going that that day and so to me that this is this seems like one of the key matchups for the Lions defense um but I kind of want to reverse the roles for you Jeff let's say you're you're Luke Getze this week you're the offensive coordinator what are you looking at it on the Lions side of the ball that gives you something to like oh we're gonna have to game plan around this or this unit or this guy yeah, I mean, if I could be Luke Getze for a day, I would turn in my resignation papers, uh, <laughs> right? You know, so so that I wouldn't have to, me in real life, wouldn't have to deal with him in, in, on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, I think as an offensive coordinator, you have Justin Fields coming back and when when you call quick game, it doesn't it's not very successful, right? And and I think Luke Getzey comes from the school where that's how you build an offense is you, you build the ship out of quick game. And so, and you have a quarterback that doesn't really do that. And so, when you play the lions who have a really good pass rush, that's what would worry me the most is like, I can't really go to the thing that I want to, because, uh, you know, my guy's not very good at it. And so if I call these deep shots, 
what I'm worried about is Aiden Hutchinson rounding the corner and my quarterback has less than hundred percent grip strength. And he has a propensity. He has Justin Fields doesn't have the biggest hands in the world. So he fumbles the ball a lot anyway. And so I would worry about Justin turning the ball over with a lot of, uh, uh, strack sack strips, um, strip sacks. Jeez. Got it mixed up there. Um, and, and put the, put the ball on the ground. That, that would be what I would worry about the most is, is fields turning it over in the passing game. Yeah. And, and Jeremy, I, I think the one other thing that we haven't really quite touched on is have the bears been able to keep their quarterbacks upright. And you, you look at some of the uh, advanced numbers, they're 27th in adjusted sack rate, but they're like sixth in ESPN's pass block win rate. But when, when, when you think about this offense's ability to move the ball on the ground, how important is it going to be for that lions pass rush to, you know, get the bears behind the sticks um, when it comes to, you know, passing downs. Yeah, no, I mean, no question, right? And and Justin Fields is kind of one of those mobile quarterbacks that that also has a propensity to maybe take more sacks than he he should, hold on to the ball uh, longer than he should in in the Russell Wilson type of vein. But um, but yeah, I mean, the the Lions pass rush has been good at times, has been inconsistent at times. I guess I'd, I'd ask you, Jeff, like, is there a particular spot on the offensive line where you think the the Bears are most vulnerable to a pass rush? Um, so for a chunk of the year, Larry Borum, who's the swing tackle was, was filling in for Braxton Jones at, at left tackle. You right. know, he's, he, you know, Braxton Jones is back. He ha- was pretty susceptible against bull rushing last year, but he's really worked on his anchor. I think he's a little better at that. Uh, last year, they, he was a fifth round rookie last year. This is Braxton Jones. Yeah. And so they, they protected him a lot and I'm not talking about chips. Yeah, sure. There was chips, but they would like roll the pocket away from him. Like they were, they weren't asking him to do a lot of true pass sets. They were, they were giving him pretty easy assignments. They're not doing that as much this year. They're, they're letting him try to stand on his own. So, you know, that's interesting to me against uh, an elite level talent like Hutchinson. And, and, and I know you guys have other guys. It's not just about Hutchinson, but, but, you know, he, he really is the star. <laughs> At know? times it is kind of about Hutchinson and that's <laughs> about it. So. And, and so I, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what that matchup looks like. And then I alluded to Darnell Wright's uh, left shoulder is, right. is a bit of an issue. And if you watched the film last week, uh, the Panthers, even they really went after him. And so I would worry about that a little bit. Um, you know, trying to make him use that left arm uh, in, in in pass pro is, is something I'm a little worried about. And then the Bears center position is just not that good. They've they've got replacement level guys. Uh, so if you have anybody that can have interior rush, I would worry about that as well. Ali McNeil, come on down. Um, I feel like it would be a disservice if we went to break here without at least mentioning DJ Moore. Uh, so let's talk really quickly about DJ Moore, what he brings to the to the Bears offense because. I don't know. The Lions coach has just gushed about this guy today, talking about not only how he's, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, but he's big and really, really hard to take down. So how have the Bears been utilizing that skill set? Man, he's fun. He's so <laughs> good. And I, I mean, I think I was the most excited of any Bears podcaster that I, you know, in, in my realm anyway, about the trade. I mean, we were all excited about the trade because of, of what it could mean and, you know, the future capital and all that. But the, the player uh, that we got back was, was so impressive. And so GJ uh, Moore is like a really good running back that runs really good routes and has really good hands, you know? So when he gets the ball in the open field, he makes players miss, I think at, at a rate that's up in the, in the top of the league. Right. And so his yards after catch are something that the bears have, they're just not familiar with bears fans. Just haven't seen this in a while. Right. The last good receiver was Allen Robinson, who, 
famously was pretty low on the yak piece of things, right? He just sort of caught it and he was down instantly. And so now Moore catches it and you expect him to gain another seven to 10 yards so that it, prime vision, which I love, right? I wish all games had prime vision, <laughs> right? Um, they'll do that little uh, yards after catch like instantly and they'll show you like plus seven, you know, right. and, and with more, it's amazing because every catch there's, he makes a guy miss and he gets those added yards. So uh, example last week, Tyson Bajan threw a ball to more that was two yards behind the line, uh, beyond the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you might expect a player to get, four yards on that, right? DJ Moore gets 14, right? It, it, it's just this, like, you just get the ball in his hands. He's a running back that runs incredible routes and is, it is fast and he, he's going to just, it's a cheat code, really. It, it's it's a guy that you want on Madden because he's going to move the six for you. So um, I think it's the, it's the most talented offensive skill player that the Bears have had. I don't, I don't even know, 20 years. I mean, like he's, he's incredible to me. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak one more in this segment, even though we're running long here. Um, we we've talked a lot about everything good with the Bears' offense. Yeah, this why, is fun. I didn't expect this to happen. Why why hasn't it been good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I think it comes. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say. Justin Fields needs to own this. And and mm-hmm. I think that there's definitely a piece of this that he deserves criticism. He's he's not a complete quarterback, right? I think a lot of it comes down to the offensive coordinator and the philosophy and what they think they should be running, what they think offense is. And that is a mismatch with the personnel that they have. And I know that there was some issues early on. And, and again, it, I don't want to harp on Chase Claypool, but it's a guy that was underprepared, didn't know the plays. Uh, you know, famously like was blocking downfield on a, on a, on a, a pass play that was called multiple times, you know, which was just a problem from the offensive coordinator right. <laughs> calling the same play multiple times, but then like would continue to make the same mistake and then admitted it afterwards. Like, Oh, I, th- I, I you know, I thought it was run play. And, and so he's, you know, that player is no longer there. And so you you remove some of the negatives from the offense and you remove some of those negative plays and penalties and, and just mental mistakes. And I think there was like this idea of like an egalitarian type offense at first. We're going to we're going to spread the ball around. You know, we're going to yeah, DJ Moore will get three targets here and, and we're going to give Darnell Mooney three targets. And we're going to give Chase Claypool three targets. We, we want to make everybody happy. And it's like, why? Like you don't get penalized for giving your best player the most targets just pepper DJ Moore with all the targets until teams adjust. And then that opens up for somebody else. So there was like this, this play calling philosophy that seemed like it, you know, was, was again, egalitarian. It was this, like, it made sense on paper and it it isn't this, this lovely concept, but in reality, that's not how the NFL works. And so I, I think that's part of why it hasn't worked is that the coaching staff just, doesn't really know how to use the pieces that they have, and they don't really truly understand all of the elements of modern offense. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Jeff Burkus here. We're going to switch things up, talk about the Lions offense versus the Bears defense. A lot of interesting matchups on that side of the ball as well. When we come back here on First Bite.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on First Bite, previewing Lions Bears with Jeff Burkus of Windy City Gridiron. You can find him at GridironBorn on Twitter. Uh, let's talk about the Lions offense versus Bears defense. Um, Bears defense, not great in a lot of statistical categories, um, but they've also not been exactly helped up by the offense. They, they have 18 giveaways on offense. So I guess how much of that would you say is to blame for, for some of the defensive struggles so far this year? You know, I didn't really know that stat until I saw it in your notes. And <laughs> I thought this is a this is a setup, right? Like this is you guys wanting me to like give an excuse to the defense and say, yeah, you're right. There's a lot too many turnovers. I mean, why not why not why not have the Bears defense actually force a turnover? That would be cool. Maybe maybe <laughs> they could do that, right? The turnover differential is is terrible. It's one of the worst in the league, right? Because they do give it away and then they, and then they don't take it away. So, so that's part of my problem with the bears defense is that they just do not take the ball away. Some of those turnovers are deep, deep in the other territory. So that's, they don't really, that's no, no difference than a punt. And some of the turnovers uh, don't impact the defense at all because they just get returned for a touchdown. So, you know, there's that, right? <laughs> uh, this defense has been overall really bad for the entire Matt Eberflus era. They set some sort of record of giving up 25 points or more uh, every game for like some insane streak. Like they give up a lot of points. And, and so I, I don't want to give them a pass for anything. I don't think that it's because the defense, is, uh, because the offense is setting them up on short fields or anything like that. Um, I just don't think they're very good. Okay. But you know, from the first segment, Jeff, we, been having you say good things about the bears all podcast. So it definitely wasn't a setup. Um, <laughs> but here, here is something that the bears seem to be genuinely good at stopping the run, right? They rank six in rush defense DVOA seventh in ESPN's run stop win rate. They're allowing the fewest yards per carry in the NFL at 3.5. Um, how much of that has to do with like the newcomers at the second level, uh, the linebackers that they signed in free agency and, 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 you know, who are some other guys that are really contributing? Yeah, so Andrew Billings, big big nose tackle, he's been fantastic. They signed him to an extension just a couple of weeks ago, and he's absolutely earned it. Like he's come out, he's been really good, giving him a little bit of juice in the pass rush too. But he's amazing in the run game. Really like him. He's controlling that middle of the middle of the line, middle of the field. The Bears have also made some curious personnel decisions when it comes to their defensive ends. Yannick Ngakwe 
is a liability against the run. I'm not going to convince anybody otherwise, but a lot of the other guys they kept are actually just good run defenders. And so I think that's you're you're seeing that uh, play out where the bears are good against the run, but they're pretty bad against the pass in part because they can't get any pressure. Right. So there was a couple of choices that they could have made for a guy that brings a little bit more juice in the pass rush or a guy that was a little bit better against the run. And they prioritize the guys, the guy in the run. Uh, we'll get to Montez sweat in a, in a little bit, but I think that, uh, the linebacker that you're talking about, they did invest a lot in linebackers. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that, uh, this, this whole concept of trading away Roquan Smith, who now appears like he's on a hall of fame trajectory in Baltimore with, you know, the best landing place that he could have gone to. And then basically spending all the money that you would have spent on Roquan on Jermaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, TJ Edwards good football player. He's making a lot of plays all over the field. He's he might break the tackle record for the Bears, which in part people are saying, well, that's because the defensive line is not making enough plays. They may be true to some extent, but he is he's making them sideline to sideline. He's making them in the backfield. He's making impact plays. He's actually one of the few guys that can get pressure on the quarterback as well. And so Edwards has been really good. Um, I'm, I'm happy with him. Edmonds, I mean, that's a really big contract and he's not really playing up to it, especially when you had a guy like Jack Sanborn, who was an undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin last year, stepped in, played about half the season and looked really good. You knew what you had. So it's kind of a curious uh, decision that they did to go out and spend all that money at linebacker. Um, But I, I would say that most Bears fans would probably say they're pretty happy with the Edwards contract. They don't like the Edmonds contract, Um, but Edwards definitely has helped out with that top 10 run defense as well. Can can you talk a little bit about Edmonds and Sanborn? Because it looks like Edmonds is maybe on track of not playing this week. I know he's missed last, I think, two games. He's missed the two practices so far that that we've seen. So what what are they losing in in, in not having Edmonds if he's not there? And what are maybe they gaining with, with Sanborn being out there? I think that Sanborn, I don't know if he's a better run defender, but you definitely don't lose anything in in the run game. Um, and he, he's very active and he's he's a smart player. So he's playing with anticipation, which you need out of a linebacker, right? Like you can make up for a little bit of athleticism loss if you're, in, you know, play with anticipation. He's not as good of an athlete and he's not as going to be as good in pass coverage, right? Like he can, he can be exposed in that way. Whereas Edmonds is really long. Like, I mean, he's just wingspan and just, just, he's a really big, tall guy. He stands out when you stand out amongst professional football players. Like when, you know, when I was in camp, you're like, Whoa, who is that guy? Oh, that's Edmonds. Right. That's impressive. Right. So he's just big. He's kind of one of those guys where the phrase built in a lab gets thrown around when they Mm -hmm. talk about him because it doesn't actually make sense. Uh, what his what his proportions are, but that's what you that's what you miss, right? He can kind of take away that middle of the field. Not that he necessarily has done that, uh, you know, as well as he was doing it in Buffalo last year. But that's what he can do on paper. Whereas Sanborn has no chance of that. He's just not that good of an athlete. Uh, but again, he plays with anticipation. He's a smart player. He can make plays in the run game. He definitely um, has you know plays like a bit of a hammer and and can can lay the wood as well. Well, Jeff, you talked a little bit about uh, the Bears kind of prioritizing you know, run defense over maybe bringing some pass rush juice to the table. And yeah, the bears are 32nd in sacks, um, but they're you know tied for 14th and quarterback knockdowns and their pass rush win or uh, win rate is, you know, pretty average. What has Montez sweat done in the past two games to maybe uh, encourage you or, um, you know, what has kind of just been sideways about the, the bears pass rush so far this season? So I think in general, what what's been really frustrating about the Matt Eberflus defense is that they are so uncreative. 
and they do not bring any kind of uh, pressure. They they want to win with four. And when you don't have very good athletes uh, along the defensive line, trying to win with four is a little silly. Now you've seen more games being played up front, which is encouraging, right? So if you if you view, uh, you know, uh, versus the rest of the league, the Bears are starting to creep up a little higher in terms of the number of stunts that they run, which is great. If you're not going to bring anybody, if you're not going to bring five or six, like at least try to play some games. And and so they're starting to do that a little bit more. And so that's good to see. Sweat is a he's a really good football player. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. He's not TJ Watt, right? He's not one of these super elite defensive ends that, you know, you just you give all the money to. The Bears gave all the money to him and they gave a draft pick to to be able to to acquire his services. I'm excited about it because he's a really good football player. One thing that I think the Bears are really attracted to is that he's an elite run defender. So that's that's one thing to keep in mind. Now, he hasn't really made any tackles since he's been here, but he, he does have a history of being an elite run defender. What he has brought is pressuring the quarterback, which is something that they have sadly missed, even with the signing of Yenny Kangakwe. So he had eight pressures against against Carolina. Uh, he did not record a sack, but I think he was the reason why the Bears actually recorded sacks, which we've had plenty of games this year where the Bears have recorded no sacks. Uh, and like you said, they're 32nd in the league. I think they have 13 sacks on the year off the top of my head. It's it's not good. They're, they're not good at rushing the quarterback. So you hope that if you have a legit number one defensive in that everybody else just slots down and they can play a little bit looser. They get a little bit more one-on-ones, more advantageous looks. And so you hope that these other guys can benefit from sweat, mixing it up a little bit more. Anything is better. I mean, mean, we're talking about an anemic pass rush before sweat got here. And so you can tell that you have a first, you know, a top flight guy coming in. He makes a big difference. So run defense is great. Maybe, maybe good pass protection or pass rush bad. So when you say this overall defense is bad, is it, is it as simple as they're not getting a pass rush? They're let, they're having quarterbacks pick apart the secondary or there are issues on the back end too. Cause I, I know a lot of times it's, it's, it's marriage, right? It's a marriage between your coverage and your pass rush. Are there is, issues in coverage or most of the issues with this pass defense, which ranks 29th in DVOA? I mean, pick whatever stat you want. It's, it, it, it's a really bad pass defense. Most of the problems stemming from that defensive front, or how do you feel about the back end of the defense as well? Back end's also been pretty beat up, and now they're probably about as healthy as they have been all year. So yeah. again, you're getting you're getting healthy. Both safeties has, have missed time. You know, Eddie Jackson's probably on you know the the back end of his career. I love Eddie Jackson, but you know you can tell he doesn't necessarily have what he had you know in the last few years of of his career. Jaquan Brisker is really volatile. I, I think a lot of Bears fans were hoping he would come in and really at least be a steadying presence, a lot like Adrian Amos was for the Bears for a number of years. But he's been really volatile. Like, you know, he'll he'll get beat or he'll miss a tackle. He's been kind of a frustrating player, but then, you know, you know he has talent and he'll make some plays. The the corners, you know, uh, Tyler Gordon's in his second year. He plays in the slot. Um, he, he looks like he's starting to emerge as a real player. You've got Jalen Johnson on the outside. He's a good football player. We know he's a good football player. He wants to be paid like a good football player. We'll see if that happens. I hope the Bears are able to keep him because um, he could be a cornerstone. Sorry about that choice of word there. <laughs> um, the the other corner is 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 being manned by Tyreek Stevenson, who's a rookie. Uh, again, you know, a lot of talent, but he's a rookie. He's making a ton of mistakes. Quarterbacks are picking on him, and so 
you know, definitely a weakness there. So I, I think the safeties aren't playing up to what you were hoping they would. Stevenson is going to get picked on. I, mean, I think he's the most, he was the most thrown at corner at, at one point during the year, which is not a title that you want. And, <laughs> but it also means that the, most quarterbacks are like, yeah, we, we know Jalen Johnson is pretty good. We're, we're going to avoid him. We're going to go to this other guy. Uh, but I think one of the things that frustrates me is, you know, I talked about how uncreative they are in their pass rush. They're also very uncreative in the back end. They 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 kind of just sit back in soft zones a lot, particularly early in the year. It was just so frustrating to watch them, you know, look like, oh, they're going to get off the field here. And, oh, no, they're playing a soft, a soft zone once again and an easy pickup on third down for the offense, right? So this sort of antiquated approach to football where – like, well, we'll just do bend, but don't break. We'll just, you know, we'll just kind of sit, we'll just try to win with four, even though we don't have the athletes, you know, oh, we're, we're going to stop the run and we're going to try to run the ball. Well, like they're built to win in the nineties. <laughs> and I just don't understand what's happening with that. Like, why, why did you, tr- why did you make those decisions coaching and personnel wise to try to win 1990s football? So, so Jeff, I know the kind of like well-documented in terms of the defensive coordinator turnover and, and what happened at the beginning of the season. Has, has Eberflus pretty much assumed like most of those duties? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we still don't know the full story, by the way. And I don't think we should let uh, Eberflus and, and the Bears PR staff off the hook, right? There was there was a lot of lot of smoke going on there. I think we, we still need to you know exactly what, what was going on there. So Let's not forget that there, there's some there's some unfinished business with that. But Eberflus has taken over. Um, I do think you can see a little bit more in terms of creativity than what the first couple of weeks were, or the first week was. And that was uh, just all the way back in week one that that happened right. after the week one game. But that's yeah. not saying much. I mean, it, I mean, the plan for Jordan Love. I mean, I, I I feel like if there wasn't this personnel issue that is clearly has some sort of legal ramifications that, you know, we, we don't know all the details of, if not for that, Alan Williams should have been fired for performance based on his plan against Jordan love. Like it was, it was the most, it was one of the dumbest defensive game plans that I've ever seen in my life. Right. So, so you had a bad, a dumb offensive game plan and a, and a dumb defensive game plan against your arch rival in week one. Cool. Wait, great, great way to start off the year. So, so if you were building a defensive game plan to try to stop the Lions, what's the first thing that you're that you're checking off your your box? Who who are you making sure this guy isn't going to beat us on Sunday? Well, I i I would be a little bit worried about a David Montgomery revenge game. I will mm-hmm. be honest with you because sure. I know that he's on video saying that that's who he wants to get back at this year. I saw that video. we We see you, David. like we, he, you know, we still love you, man, but like we see you. We know you're was, mad. He was very uh, coy about it this week, by the way. He's like, oh no, it's uh, just any other game. Uh-huh. uh-huh. well, uh-huh. not a few weeks ago. I saw the video a few weeks ago. Right? yeah, holding up the Bears logo when he's, yeah, a hundred percent i I think for me, I, I mean, I think Amon Ra, St. Brown is probably the easy answer. But I'm, if if I I would I would have Jalen Johnson shadow him. I, I don't care where he goes. I'm I'm just going to put him on there. And then I'm actually a little bit more worried about Sam Laporta, right? Like uh, that, that that worries me a little bit because I don't know that without Edmonds, I don't know that we have anybody that can match up. So um, I, w- I would worry the safeties aren't playing as well as I would like. And I don't think that we have a linebacker that, um, sorry, I keep saying we, I never do that on on my podcast. The bears (laughs) don't have a linebacker that I think can match up here. So uh, I I think that he he's in for, I think uh, what could be a pretty big game for him. 
There you go. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, we like to finish with a segment called the one thing we think we know where we make predictions about the upcoming game. Not necessarily a win loss prediction, but maybe some stat predictions, maybe some things that you can use on parlays, things like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm talking sports betting, Ryan. I see you giving me that luck. Uh, we should also point out because it doesn't happen that often that Ryan and I absolutely crushed it last week. Ryan predicted that it was going to be a shootout. It sure was. It was the very definition of a shootout. I think the overcashed like two minutes into the third quarter. <laughs> right. Uh, and it probably could have cashed earlier than that if the lines were better in the red zone. Uh, I predicted that the Chargers run defense was going to get exposed as frauds. And they sure did. Um, man, like, I don't think, Ryan, I don't think we had ever such enthusiastically won our one thing we think we know. So now... Now we're going to have to follow it up, man. So I'm again, I got to throw it to you first as always, Ryan, what is the one thing you think, you know, about lions bears? Yeah. Nobody's going to like this, but I think the bears cover. Oh, they do. What is it at seven, six and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. I know it was higher. And then the fields news caused it to come down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But still, I think seven and a half in a rivalry game in an NFC North game, in a game where the Lions are playing a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields. I know the last time he was at Ford Field, uh, seven and a half points multiplied a few times wouldn't have covered that spread. Uh, but I, I just think that the Bears, as you know, Jeff kind of highlighted throughout the podcast, they're getting a little bit healthier. They're getting some guys back on the field. And when the guy you're getting back on the field who is going to be touching the ball the most is, is Justin Fields and the history of the Lions and, and mobile quarterbacks. I think seven and a half is just too much. I think the Lions do win the game, but I think the I think the Bears do cover this. Fair enough. I'll be honest, that kind of took away mine. Mine was going to be the one thing I think I know is this game is going to be decided in the fourth quarter. I'm going to scrap that one off the books completely, oh, okay. but I'm, I'm going to need some time to to think. So, Jeff. I'm going to go to you next. Jeff, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Bears? I just want to say that I, I locked it in at Bears plus 10. So, you know, it does pay to <laughs> does pay to pick early. But yeah, the early lines. I'll take I'll give you I know it's I know the segment's one thing, but I'm going to give you two um, because I don't Perfect. want to just do a Bears Homer one. But I'll do that first. <laughs> I'm going to say DJ Moore over on receiving yards uh, right now. I'm looking at 64 and a half. I would I would bet that over. I think that it's depressed a little bit because he's been playing with Tyson Bajan the last four weeks. And I don't think it's readjusted to what Justin Fields will do. And then I will give you guys one. Um, I will say that if you can bet Justin Fields turnovers or fumble loss, which I, I, I really believe he's going to lose a fumble or like an Aiden Hutchinson sack or whatever, like I'll, I'll take the over on that. Well, as well. All right. I'm, you know, I'm going to end with something a little bit more positive, even, even though if, if you are a Pride of Detroit Direct subscriber, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more nervous about this game than than maybe a lot of people are. I, I gave three reasons why the Bears are probably right now better than the record suggests. Subscribe to Pride of Detroit Direct at PrideDetroit.com slash subscribe. But based on everything I heard from Jeff, based on everything I've seen from this Lions offense in the past two weeks, and we may or may not have Jonah Jackson, I don't think it matters. I'm going to say the one thing I think I know is that the Lions will score at least 30 points in this game. I think I think everything's rolling. I I, I do wonder about how they are going to succeed and if they are going to succeed in the run game. And I, I even asked um, Ben Johnson today, like when it's a strength by strength, strength versus strength matchup, are you the kind of person that says, all right, let's go out and prove our strength is better? Or are you going to go? Let's go look at something else. Let's go see if we can find a bigger advantage somewhere else. And he kind of gave me a a little bit of a loose answer and a little in between both. But 
I get the sense that they're not going to back down from the run game challenge here. I think they're going to still continue to try to run the game, run the ball. And I think they're going to see at least a, a modicum of success. I don't think this Bears defense is impenetrable by any means, um, but it, it is going to be a little slower. I don't know if you're going to get a ton of explosive plays, but if you can get David Montgomery in, in a game, he, as you said, was, he's going to be highly motivated in. You know, he can turn those two yard runs into five yard runs in a hurry um, just with his physicality. And, and that could be enough to get yourself into favorable downs and, uh, and and continue to move the chains against an OK Bears defense. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even toss out to, to that, right? Like I was kind of shocked to see that uh, David Montgomery's rushing yards at 60 plus was plus 135. That seems like a low total. It's a good run defense. I don't know. It anytime, is. anytime touchdown score, David Montgomery seems like a pretty obvious, but there you go. Uh, Jeff, before we let you go here, man, I want to let you take the wheel here uh, away from Ryan. He's not, he's not the co-captain anymore. You're the co-captain, uh, but please uh, promote your stuff. Tell us where people can find you and, and maybe some of the stuff that they can read over on Windy City Gridiron. Yeah, right for Windy City Gridiron, which is the sister side of uh, Pride of the Detroit. Um, I do 10 thoughts on the NFL uh, weekly column where I get to talk about not bears, which is, which is nice. And occasionally I talk about the lions. I used to talk about Dan Campbell's caffeine regimen quite a bit, but that's no longer as much of a joke. Uh, and now it's something that I think we all need to adapt into our daily lives to be more <laughs> effective. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a good column. It's a good site. Uh, we do have Lions fans that come over there. Some of them are nice. Some of them are not so nice, but we, we do enjoy the interaction. Uh, I, I do a lot of podcasting. We're up on YouTube. Second City Gridiron is the the, the YouTube partner for, for Windy City Gridiron. I do a show on Mondays with our editor, Lester A. Wiltfong, called Baron Balanced. We run through categories and we try to give an even keel review of the game um and you know i'm on other shows as well but if you want to check one out that's probably the one to check out because it's uh it, it, we try to not be as homer as yeah. some of the other shows and you know what I, I think that i think lions fans who sat here and listened to the entire podcast here would, would agree with that so yeah go check them out over there and be nice lions fans come on the bears fans are going through stuff that we we've gone through for years no need to kick them while they're down yeah, we need we need to save our money for therapy, I think, in the offseason. That's right. Yeah. Let's just all gang up on Acme Pack. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that either. Uh, but anyways, Jeff, no, appreciate the time, that. man. Uh, you, you're great. Uh, always. I'm, I'm glad you, you you were able to come back um, from last year and, and maybe we'll see you in what, a month? Three weeks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate <laughs> the time. Of course. All right. Thank you all for listening. For Ryan, I'm Jeremy. Uh, I, I keep almost saying it's uh, no, I do say it's chaos. Um, guys. Cast be kind. Bye.